Hello friends, welcome to Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a relationship coach and high-performance coach, Dr. just because you're too funny and I can't miss any of this, but um, I'm glad you're here. What are you recording on? Are you on your phone or your computer? I'm on my computer I'm and my phone computer. and my phone. You can do this anywhere. Look, look at this hack. <laughs> so where, okay. So how, your computer just is like charged. So you don't need to like, yeah, I, I charge my computer and I was like, Bonnie, I need to do this help me. And she was like, okay, you plug this in here and do this and this and this. And I was like, all right. And it worked. Because Bonnie, um, does this too. She records in her car. No, she's like, everybody shut up and turn off all the appliances and and go down into the basement of this 40 story building (laughs) because I'm recording a podcast. (laughs) So since I'm completely less professional, um, oh my gosh. You know, I was like, I, I was like, I'll just do it my way. Okay. No, this is totally your way. But people and, walk um, around all the time, right? Like with their phones, with everything. Yeah. And yeah. they literally do this. So you don't have to be like stationary. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I'm glad we're finally able to connect here. I know it's been like, you know, a couple, maybe like a year since I, I asked you. I put the seat back. <laughs> So, so, so everybody, I want everybody to know who you are, Matt. And, uh, you sent me a very short bio. (laughs) It's very short. I was like, I'm Matt. Yeah. You, you've owned a couple, some, you built some snazzy venues. You've worked in entertainment for 20 years. You are the fiance slash, I don't even know what you call yourself. Future husband, um, of one of my good friends and podcasters, Dr. Bonnie Koo. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. And uh, and you have a 15 year old. I do. Boy, Ren from a from a precious marriage. You told me, and then a four year old boy, Jack, from your current relationship. It's true. And no no animals. Thank no. God. Okay. No. In fact, in fact. <laughs> In fact, if there's, if there's ever an emergency, Bonnie's supposed to call me and say, hey, I want to get a dog. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I got to track this woman. Where is she? Call the cops. Oh, that's your emergency code. That is really good advice. Everybody should have an emergency phrase for their spouse or significant other children. So if they're trapped with somebody else. Yeah, if there's How? like if they're you know even if like you just you're uncomfortable. Yeah, it it actually it's um this is good for teens by the way. So my teen obviously is going to be in situations where you know they'll be drinking, they'll be drugs, they'll be. I mean, he's in high school. Like we all remember what high school is like. Well, if he gets <laughs> uncomfortable, he should be able to call me and be like, Dad, you know the wall is orange, and I should be like, Oh, he said the word orange. And at which point I know like he's got to get out of there or he feels uncomfortable or like I I need to call him and be like, hey, you need to come home now. Yes. Um, Is that uh, the actual code? No, no, we don't actually have one. 
So, but uh, like, it's on my list of things to do. Like Bonnie actually said this to me the other day. She's like, you need to have a code for rent or he could just be like, Hey. Yeah. No. Okay. Good. Yeah. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to publish that on air. So everybody knows. So definitely don't share it here. Maybe afterwards you can go do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But why don't you, why don't you give us a little bit of brief, like two sentences, who you are. Right, like who you are and who you want to become. Oh, uh, well, I, uh, so I used to be a singer and a French horn player, amongst other things. I I sort of grew up in the world of music and then I went to uh, like buying all the touring Broadway shows that went around the country and Canada. Um, I did that for a long time. I went to the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia where I ran their whole programming department and their Broadway series. Um, and then I shifted over to commercial music for a little bit. Um, okay. and then we got hit by the pandemic and, uh, you know, live entertainment stopped. So I was a stay at home dad for a little while. Um, and I have been the spouse of a life coach <laughs> and I have actually certified to become a life coach. Um, why is that funny? Uh, I, it, I don't practice that much. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like I, I practice very specifically, like when people, I don't do websites or anything like that or be like, you know, I don't have like a goal for my business. So it's not like I'm sitting there going, I need to make six figures or because I don't hate what I do and want to change. Like I actually, I'm opening a really high end music store right now. um, That's going to sell guitars and have people come in and, you know, album signings and things like that. And like, that's fun. So yeah. I, don't, I don't hate it. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if I meet people who are like, Hey, I would like some coaching or this specific niche. Like I work with a lot of stay at home dads who, you know, kind of realize like, Holy crap, my wife has this really great career and I moved all the way over here for her. And now I don't have any friends. And I thought staying at home was going to be fun and it's not. And what do I do now? Ah, okay. Well, that's great. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge niche, I feel like in itself. It, I mean, it's definitely something where you need coaching and I think guys aren't as prepared, um, or even motivated to like Mm -hmm. structure a day, um, without identifying with like a career or a job or something like that, you know? So it becomes very like, you're, you're almost like, oh my God, what day is it? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Are you kind of like, you like, you need to, you're fi- trying to find your purpose maybe. Is that what? Yeah, I think definitely. I think if you, if you give up your life because, you know, all of a sudden you've, you've met this wonderful woman who's really intelligent, but now she's making enough money so that you don't have to work. Like that sounds pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's not oh, yeah. all the time. I mean, there's a very specific set of people who are like, okay, I can shift and I can really like, do the kids and run the household, but like, that's a very slim segment, right? Right. Yeah. So tell me about this woman that you met and you fell in love with and how that happened, Matt. Um, wow. Well, it happened online. Um, and I think for those people who are really against online, I would actually say like I was too, but we can't all meet in med school. Right. Um, And I think as you get older, it's like, who are you going to date? The people you work with? 
And as you work a lot, you sort of are like, oh my God, I, I don't really like, I'm not going to meet my wife in a bar. I mean, maybe you are. Um, so you have to sort of open yourself up to other opportunities that you normally wouldn't open yourself up to. Um, so we met and it was funny. We chatted a bunch of times, like then she kind of ghosted me for a little bit. And I found her on a different, um, I found her on a different site. <laughs> a different dating it, site. Yeah. Cause in her first dating site, she was like, she had pictures of like her and all these dudes, which by the way, don't ever do like, why would you post like five pictures of you and guys? <laughs> like what the hell? Um, so I started talking to her as I was like, who did these photos? Like they're terrible. Um, and then I found her on another site later where she had actually written like a full bio and she had actually Uh like, she had pictures of just herself. So I was like, Hey, I remember you. Um, and then we went out and we had like an okay date, but she's really good texter. So our date was like mediocre at best. And then I was like, Hey, did you get home safely? And then we started texting. So we had like a second date after the date where we actually talked probably more than we talked on the actual date. And granted, I didn't really plan the best date. So it wasn't like, you know, she dropped the ball. But so then I went to London and in London, I was kind of bored. I had nothing to do. You went to London or I went to London. So I just started texting friends and she just kept responding to me. So literally I was in London for like a week and I, I just kept texting her and like, we got to know each other more and more and more. And then I came back and we, we went out like a second and a third and a fourth time. And then I went to California and we texted more and more and more. And then I got back and we just kind of kept going from there. And, uh, Uh yeah, she was a doctor at the time, uh, full practicing dermatologist. Uh Um, and I mourn the loss of that every day. I mean, my (laughs) skin was wonderful. I got free Botox Um, you know, I probably look the best I did. And she was, so not only that, but she was a bulk buyer of exercise classes and then she wouldn't use them. So I would come up with some sort of excuse like, oh my God, she's pregnant. And I would be like, she can't come. So can you transfer those classes over to me? And then I would use them. (laughs) So I was like in great shape, a great skin, like, you know, and then she's like, I want to be a life coach. I want to be a life coach. And yeah. That, like cratered all of that. <laughs> no, my, so now totally... my skin sucks. I look 80. Yeah. I don't see a wrinkle on your face, by the way. I know. I wish, I wish I had more Botox though. Like right here, maybe a little here. I don't see it. I don't see it, but let's go back to this. Okay. So then she switched from dermatology to life coaching. So what did that do for your relationship? Um, well, I have to say like, and I don't really understand how this happened, but, um, so we've actually been at home literally 24 hours a day together for like almost the last two years because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, we, we probably, we're probably one of the few people who haven't gotten divorced. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it, it probably was a good and a bad thing, you know, like you need space, but at the same time, you know, she also wasn't out there putting herself in, in all of the harm way that, you know, many of the, the doctors were called upon to do. Um, so it was fortunate because, you know, we, we actually stayed pretty healthy. Um, and she's a hard worker and 
she's really smart, obviously. Um, so she really did well. And, you know, she kind of kept the whole family afloat. So I tried to make sure that she had her space to do her job. Um, you know, so somehow we made it through. <laughs> you made it through. Okay. And before that, so before that, when she was the dermato- a dermatologist full-time or transitioning, right? Cause she, I know she had her blog and all that kind of stuff while she was practicing derm too. And, and, um, the pandemic changed everybody's plans. Yeah. We all know, right? Cause she was actually not going to stop derm completely. So when she was a dermatologist, besides like the good skin and all the workout classes you had, were there any struggles that you experienced um, that you don't experience anymore with her being away or was that not a, not, not a problem? I mean, in all honesty, like, and I hope the derms don't get upset. It's not that hard a job. Like I'm sure it's hard, but like if you work four days a week for eight hours and you're on calls are literally looking at your phone and being like, I'll see this on Monday. Like I was working. So I was working nine to five Monday through Friday Uh and like literally from Wednesday through Sunday, I would have concerts at the venues I managed. So like I was working like hundred hour weeks. Ah, you were the, yes. (laughs) But I, but if you look at it, like, and you took all of the hours I was working, I was probably making like 18 hours, 18 bucks an hour, even though I was getting paid well, like (laughs) when you put in that many hours, it's like you dilute, dilute and dilute. Um, you know, I, I think for her, it, it, a lot of it was like a lot of times, you know, it's the climate of, of of being a practicing physician that becomes difficult and draining and, 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 you know, you're trained to be a good doctor, but Not the out- it's the, it's the cu- culture, the climate, the, this culture of medicine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really a cultural thing where I think that they make it, you have to deal with so much extraneous crap that really means you're doctoring for a very small portion of your day. Um, we do not, perf- we do not practice at, at our highest pay grade. we, do all this stu- extra stuff that other people could do, but the hospitals want us to do. And and I will say that um, even though Bonnie didn't love private practice, like one of the things I will say is that the company she practiced for, um, their business manager was fantastic and really worked with Bonnie and, and allowed her, um, you know, a, a really gracious exit um, and really like, did actually look out for her quite well. So I, I don't want to make it seem like, like, you know, there were like this guy, Andy was fantastic. And, and okay. he, he still remains a friend. Um, okay. Now, you know, it, it's just, it's hard though. It's, there's a lot of burning out and you're dealing with a different person every hour. And, and I get it. Um, and or every it, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Derm is- <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then she would come home and I'd be like, I have this pimple and she'd be like, go see a doctor. And I'd be like, <laughs> she she would tell you to go see a doctor yeah one time she actually so i dated all these girls like in as i grew up right and one of the fascinating things was like how much girls love to like pop ingrown hairs or like you know they just love that grody stuff like they're always like oh my god look at that you know um or at least the girls i did i dated and (laughs) i date an actual dermatologist and she's like I don't want anything to do with that. Like one time I did have a pimple and she came home with a needle. She was like, Oh, I give it a little shot. I was like, (laughs) 
So she gave me a shot. I was like, you don't just like, you don't just like squeeze it and like poke around in there. Not I, you're no, 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 no not I, my friend. No. So, uh, but she's very serious about, uh, you know, she moved into, it was interesting because at first she was sort of inspired by the white coat investor. Right. Right. Um, so I think she, she kind of was inspired by, by Jim and everything he did and, um, you know, how careful he is to actually give you guys the tools to, to really sort of figure everything out that you're not trained to do in school. Um, and then she went further as she met more people like you and Sonny and, and all of these other people. And she realized that, you know, the way that she wanted to be helpful, um, was, was not in the same manner. Um, and I think, you know, obviously with her, her biggest, um, I mean, I'm speaking for her. I'm probably totally wrong. And she's going to be like, this is garbage. What he's saying. But with her, I think she felt that, um, you know, she was helping women who all of a sudden had a lot of money, um, who were not necessarily taught, um, you know, that, that a, they had rightfully earned that amount of money. B, they deserved to think about their money and how they should spend it and invest it and had an actual say. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we were probably all born in the seventies or eighties. And like, that was still a very male dominant era. Like women had really just started to move into, um, you know, almost a, a sub equal standard of, of, of employment and still are not being paid the same amount. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. I agree. I mean, I totally agree with that. I see that every single day at work where a lot of the, the men in the relationship deal with the money and the women are okay with that. Um, I mean, even in my relationship, you know, Victor, uh, he, he started, he took the reins on the finances from the very first time we started earning money. You know, and slowly I've learned a lot more and he makes me come with him to do all the finance things so that, cause he doesn't want ever right. That resentment to build up, like where it's like the woman just doesn't know what's going on and doesn't understand why we're turning over a house, an Airbnb. Like, why are we doing this again? This frontal thing. <laughs> Oh, this is like very emotional for me. <laughs> See, it's very, it's funny. Cause in my family, I basically like, I think I even have like all the money I make directly deposited into her account, like into our joint account. But like, I have no idea like where any of it goes, like for the most part. I mean, she, I think she even did my taxes this year. <laughs> you think? Hopefully, hopefully so. Hopefully somebody no, no, did she, them. She did. She actually did my taxes this year. So like, I literally, okay. I'm just like, what are we doing? Tell me if we run out. Um, <laughs> so it's a little bit different because basically it's like, she, like she walked in the other day. She's like, you're getting a refund this year. I thought you were going to, oh, and I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> And what was she just, just like, no, that's not cool. No, she was like, or, great. We're getting a refund. <laughs> okay. <was> like, all right. <laughs> but you know, that just means you like overpaid the entire year. It's not that big a refund. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, it's, that's like, it's like a thousand dollars or something. Okay. Oh, okay, it's that's better awesome. than owing. So almost a little bit even. Yeah. 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 I mean, for, for the amount of money, everybody who listens to this makes like <laughs> it's even. Okay. Well, tell, okay. So tell me how did your crazy work schedule? Cause you had the more crazy nights 
hundred hour work weeks. How did that affect your relationship back then? And then like the whole change to going through the pandemic? Um, it's, it was actually harder on her than it was on, on me. Cause it's like, I was always away and I was always doing something, but with her, it's like, she was like, if he keeps working like this, this isn't going to work. Like I didn't want to be with somebody who's not home. Um, so, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing. Um, and I think the pandemic probably, or hopefully like gave people who, who were working in other fields, cause probably not for you guys. Um, you know, the opportunity to kind of look at stuff and be like, is this really what I want to do? Um, right. You know, and it's the same thing. I, we had a young kid and I was missing this kid kind of growing up because I was away so much. And and I wasn't even away. I was like literally like down the street a mile. But, you know, still I wasn't home. Um, and the upside was I got to go see every concert I wanted for free. But the downside was, you know, who cares if you're not sitting there with your kids and enjoying it with your family? Um, so anyway, um, it was, you know, it was, it was a good time for us to kind of go back and sort of say, okay, I want to work because I'm not the type of person who wants to sit around at home, but at the same time, I need to find more structure in the hours that I, I'm working and, you know, balance is much more important to me now than just kind of working and saying, you deal with it. So you kind of, so it was like fortunate. Like, well, how did the pandemic happen for you? It kind of put you at home more and yeah. with your child. I mean, it's interesting because I ended up raising Jack, you know, cause he was home for a long time and Bonnie was in the other room working. So I had to kind of like for a long time, I was the favorite parent. So like he'd stub his, you know how like there's a favorite parent for every kid. So it's like, he'd scrape his knee and he'd like run by and push by his mom and be like, dad, I need you dad. <laughs> Oh. Now it's now he's, he's sort of flipping over, but uh, but yeah, for a, a couple years there, I was like I was the go to. Yeah, because he's turning. Is is he five or turning about to turn five? He turns five in October. Okay, so still four and a half. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any plans? Let's talk about the marriage piece for a little bit and what you guys consider each other. How, how do you address like if somebody else asks, you know? Do you call her your fiance? I think for the most part, I call her my wife because it was sort of right. like we were, we were, yeah, we were planning on getting married and, and then the, the pandemic sort of got in the way. Um, and then we were like, okay. And, and for the most, like, for the most part, the reason that we didn't do it was because of economics. So, you know, as a private practice doctor, she was making a certain amount of money. And as the general manager of a, of a, concert venue, I was making another amount of money. And by us actually getting married, um, you know, the issue was, was the amount of actual liquid money that would be going out would, would be detrimental to what we needed. Now, we didn't own a lot of assets at that time or joint assets or, or have any of the other complications that come with, with, you know, the co-ownership of things. Um, Investing. Yeah. But basically, you know, it was just, it was a financial decision for us to kind of stay unmarried. And is it, so you guys live in New Jersey, right? Right. So that state is not like a common law state or where you live. Is it a state where you live in the same household for a certain while you're considered? I think it's same household for a certain, like, you know, we're probably already screwed. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, we're probably already like common law partners. I mean, we're, if not, we will be in like, you know, six months. So get out now, buddy. Um, <laughs> but we just literally started investing in rental properties and stuff like that. Like we spent the most, it's funny because in all of this stuff, like the, the only financial mistake that the two of us have ever made was we, we paid off her med school loans and she had like a 2% interest rate. And it's like, if you can rock that interest rate or stay like that, and the money is basically free, like, don't do it. Yes. But not everybody wants that. Wants that. Like some people just don't want that hanging. They think it's hanging on their head or they have a certain anxious, anxiety proving. But, but I know, I know what you mean because I still have a lot of medical student loans. Yeah. And, and I think it's like, it, it is something that is worrisome to have debt, but Remember, to have income or to be building wealth also feels good. Yeah. Um, and and it's interesting because one of the things about Bonnie kind of opening up this, this sort of new thing and like being peers with the Peter Kims and the Jims and the U's and all of this stuff is like, you guys are also creative, you know? It's like you're a group of doctors who doesn't just doctor. Like you invest in real estate, you build coaching businesses. You do all of these things. Like you all have these side hustles. Like I don't understand where you get all this energy from. You're like four-year-olds on a playground. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing because it's like, you keep working, you keep working, you keep working. And, um, I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's like, you're like, I've learned all the doctoring I need to learn. So now I'm going to go and learn how to become a real estate tycoon. Yeah. I think at a certain point, like, you, you have learned a ton of doctoring. However, we have got, we have CME continuing medical education, right? I have to go to a radiology conference next year to learn all the new things we're doing across the globe in pediatric radiology, especially since I haven't been to one of those since the, like before the pandemic. Um, however, like learning about finances all is so important too. Yeah. And opening a coaching. The other thing is like coaching finance, all this kind of stuff is just as important. I consider it just as important, if not more important than my physician job because money is so important and not many people, not, not as many people, especially physicians don't grasp that importance. I mean, Bonnie would agree, right? It's like, we just don't. I mean, I think the the phrase golden parachute applies to all jobs you know, in the aspect of like, sometimes you get this like offer where it looks so good on paper, you're afraid to like ever make a change in your life. Yes. Um, and for some people, like, believe me, like you don't want to make the change. You're not the person who's going to, who's going to like thrive in that changed environment. And, and that's fine. Like that's, that's great. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to, if you're happy there, you're going to have a a bright future. You're going to climb up the company. You're probably going to, you know, do incredibly well. But for some people, it's like, you always want to know that if you don't like the situation, you can be like, I'll go find another one. Right. You know, or I can take six months off and, and, you know, I'm going to have my kids and I'm going to be a mom for a year. And I want to be in a situation where I, you know, I pick up a couple shifts and I, I keep my skills kind of where they need to be, but like, it's not where my head is right now. Mm -hmm. um, Without the coaching, Matt, a lot of people never get there. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think coaching is, it's funny. I, I, I took coaching mainly because I just wanted to learn like the practice of, of 
thought work. And I thought that whether I was a coach or whether I was managing people, um, you know, the reality is, is thought work is still important. Um, you know, like motivating a staff or getting a staff to believe in a common goal is really coaching, right? Like when you go out on a baseball field and you play as a team, you're being coached. Like everything you do is being coached. And I, I think, I think, you know, Bonnie has always had a coach. It's funny because I think in some cases, one of the things about going to this conference that we saw each other at was, was, and, and this is actually my, my one huge gripe about coaching is sometimes you have to stop being coached and you have to actually play the game. Just do it. Yeah. Like you've been taught how to do all the stuff. Like, you know, if there's no men on base and somebody hits you the ball, you're going to try to throw it to the first baseman to get that person out. Right. Like, so just do it. Like how many other people do you need to tell you that? Like when the guy hits the ground ball to you, throw it to the first baseman. Yep. Like, just try it, you know, give yourself some leeway. Like, cause the other thing they say is try and fail, try and fail, try and fail. And that's the best coaching that you're going to get. So it was interesting when, um, yeah. Failure is expected and encouraged. Like I literally almost jumped out of my seat when she was like, over coaching is buffering. Yeah. And I was like, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I was like, we are going to save so much money this year. <laughs> um, well, and I, and I understand that there's, there's a fine line between coaching and networking and peer grouping and stuff like that. But like, let's label things what they're called. You know, yeah. like if you want to join a peer group and pay $50,000 to be part of a peer group, then call it a peer group, you know? And bill it as a peer group, mm-hmm. like call it a marketing expense, call it a whatever you want. But like, it's not really coaching at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, now we're going into the weeds over here. I, it's true. I just, sorry. It's like, it's like a passionate feeling I have about coaching. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. Whenever, well, I, um, yeah, whenever I buy a coaching program or whatever, and I'm in several I really have to ask myself, how is this going to move me forward? How is this going to move me forward that I can't already like, and then, yeah, what kind of blind spots is it going to uncover? Right. Or what am I going to get out of this? And sometimes you don't know, but I can't because I have a, of a job, three kids. Like I cannot spend 10 hours a day getting coached. Well, if, if you do, then okay. you have 14 hours to sleep do your job. And, you know, it's like, like after a certain point, it's just about math, right? Yeah. Like it all comes down to math. It's like, how is your schedule? If you're getting coached eight hours a week and you're only working six hours a week on your business, like, how do you expect to function? Although Brooke Castillo, she is very adamant. She's very open about how much she does work on her business, right? She only works like what is it like four hour days, like three, is it three or four, four hour days? Like she does not. And yet she has like a $30 million business. She does, but she also probably has a lot more people working for her than you do. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when she was working, yeah, she was working three hours a day on her business, like at the state of where everybody we know is like, 
probably yeah. not going to be making $30 million. <laughs> you know? Okay. So how do these sentiments, because we know Bonnie is a huge proponent of coaching. And so are you. I mean, you're yeah. a certified love. Oh, no. I, I think coach, like, like, you know, why I like coaching a lot is I like coaching because coaching isn't about like what got you here. It's about where you're going. Right. Yes. So like you always have to look at it from the prospect of like, it doesn't matter if your mom beat you or you had a really tragic past or you didn't grow up wealthy or you do things like that, like that helps shape who you are. Right. So that's that's where you are. Now, it is very much about where you want to be. And if you want to rewrite. Yeah. Some of your traumatic experiences. Well, I think it's more about healing, uh, healing. healing or, okay. or healing or or at least um, at least allowing yourself to go through the traumatic feelings of it so that you've resolved it. Like, yes. you know, like one of the great things about coaching is you can't change the past, you know? Um, but you can change your thoughts about the past. Yes, um, yes exactly. And that's the thing is you're the one who's limiting it. Like, like there was always the, the horrific, but really true thing about the fact that like the person who hurt you back then can't hurt you right now. Um, and, and it's like, it's true. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a very positive way of motivating people. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, you can show people like how they're harming themselves now. You know, so it, it is eye opening. And there's a lot of things that like, really, you do have aha moments, I think more aha moments than like seeing a therapist who's like, take this 40 milligram pill and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Can the therapist, I think a psychiatrist has to do that, right? Or can a therapist? Usually a therapist will, will refer you to a psychiatrist and be like, here's the issue. And then the psychiatrist mm -hmm. will be like, here's the pills. Okay. <laughs> think that's how it works. Yeah. I've, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> okay. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Matt, is you have some visions for a really successful, um, like kind of like a women in money medicine conference. Oh and yeah. You, yeah. You spoke, you gave me a couple of these fabulous ideas and I don't want you to, you know, if, if you don't want to share them because you know, you're planning a conference or Bonnie might use these, that's okay. But are you willing to share any of your amazing ideas? I am. I am. Um, so I, I always thought about like, like, you know, it's funny because like Durham conferences, it's like they work really hard from like eight to 11 in the morning and then everybody gets to go to the beach. Uh -huh. um, and I'm not digging on Durham's because, you know, when I went to Hawaii to the Durham conferences, it was great. And there were lunches and dinners and fun things like that too. But, you know, the, the bulk of the conference work was really in the morning. And if you're going to go all the way out to Hawaii, you might as well enjoy the outdoor stuff. So in entertainment, we would go to Miami and we would be indoors from 8 a.m. until like 10 p.m. So like, what's the point? In lectures? Yeah. Like, Oh you know, gosh. lunches, yeah. dinners, stuff like that. But we wouldn't really be like on the beach or outside. So like, why didn't we just go to like New York City? Like, it's not like we were taking advantage of this beautiful ocean. Yeah. Um, Minnesota. Michigan. Yeah. Like we could be anywhere. Um, but anyway, so it's like, I always, I always thought like, you should do some fun things, right? Like you should certainly have lectures, but like at the end of the day, like, you know, when it comes down to confidence building and stuff like this, like, like there's a lot of different things that go into um, 
you know, the way that you want to, you want a conference, so to speak. So like one of the things I came up with, with, with a, a friend of Bonnie's was manis and money. You could all get manicures while somebody talks about money, but you could pick like little different designs where you get like little dollar signs or something put up. But like the fun thing is you get to get a manicure as you're Your actually, nails? yeah. Yes. Now I'm not saying you should get like a complex hairstyle, but like manis and money is kind of fun, right? I mean, if you want to pay for the hairstyle, hey, I would go to a conference if I could, like, yeah, get everything done. At once. <laughs> yes, but so, like, so, but shouldn't you do some of those types of things? Like, like one of the things I liked about Brooke's conference was, you know, was was the woman who came out and talked about style. Like, there's all yes, these great places. Out. Like, um, what's the one? It's it's for uh, I want to say it's for Saks, but you know the one that Vicky always goes to in L.A. Um, uh, wait a second. Um, are you talking about a, a store? Yeah, there's a store, but like you get a dresser and you sit around and like you can have champagne. Oh, yes. It's it's like uh, it, um, I'm I, yeah. I'm forgetting it, but we went there with Vicky Kim, and yes. I should say Doctor Vicky Kim. Vicky um, so so we went there, and um, but it was a great experience because you're sitting around, you're working with the stylist and stuff, and you you know you have like a little glass of champagne. But like, why can't you get coached in that situation? It's like trunk club, trunk club. Yes. But like, why can't you do like a life coaching session in that? Like, especially yes. about style and confidence. Like if you're trying to be confident about your money, you should be confident about your style. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, I, it. I love that. Yeah. So like little things where you're at, you know, why can't you take over a, a section of the trunk club and, and do that? Like, that's fun for you guys. I mean, for me, it's a nightmare because I'd be like, I don't want to try on pants all day. Um, <laughs> dresses dresses maybe you could do but pants yeah, no, no i don't want to have pants all day um and i didn't <laughs> last time i went my little three-year-old or two-year-old was running around and like they have these little cups of pins so he's running around yes. and like literally taking the cups of pins and throwing them on the floor so <laughs> it was like a nightmare for me because i'm like trying to keep my kid from becoming a like a human pin cushion um <laughs> but anyway the point of it was like what a fun thing or, or, you know, something that you always talk about is the money date. So yes. like one of the events I wanted to have is, is a money date with you and Victor where you go to a like, speed- a, yeah, I thought speed dating was fun, but Bonnie was like, that's retarded. Um, I don't think she used that word. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, I was born in the seventies. It's hard to get out. So anyway, um, she was like, that is, not, that is a not good idea. Um, but uh, I thought that that would be, I thought that that could be a way of maybe ice breaking the money date, but like the money yes. date could be at a nice restaurant where you do like little two tops and like you and Victor could go around and actually like help people kind of talk about stuff. Cause it's like, they don't know what oh. to do. Like having a money date is a good idea, but unless you've done it, like, do you really know what to talk about? Like, how do you make it like beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you make it feel like it's not going to end in an argument, Mm -hmm. especially because it's about money. And what you had said earlier was it's like he brought you along and you went along because you didn't want to have an emotional reaction to it. Right. And if it does end in an argument, how is that okay? And how can you move forward and how can you continue the conversation? Right. So I, I think part of it is learning how to money date. 
You know, yes. like it's almost like a skill. A hundred percent, Matt. So have people who know how to money date teach you how to money date. And then put it in a situation where there's there's friends. So you have like a little bit of a buffer if things go south a little bit. Like you could always yes. like, you could always like get up and go to the bathroom and like talk to Johnny in the bathroom and be like, ah, this isn't going well. <laughs> I mean, if it's at a fancy restaurant too, like, yeah, you, you kind of buffer it and you're in fr- you're within friends. So it's like, you don't want to be in a public shouting match. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's sort of like if you're a spy and you're like, we're meeting in a public place. Um, <laughs> so, but the point is, I think having somebody kind of help you do these money dates and then maybe afterwards, like everybody gets on a bus and you go dancing, you know, like, so, so it's like, there's a, there's a payoff <laughs> afterwards. Like you have to make yep. it to this. Because yep. um, there will, that then the dancing that will create the physical contact, the emotional. Yes, it will. It's everything. Your well, state there, changes. There's other stuff too. Like, like there's a great group that I'm part of that Bonnie got me into called the Dads Married to Doctors, right? Uh, and some yes. of them are actually doctors. Like Victor's in it, but he's still uh-huh. married to a doctor and he's a dad. So he qualifies. <laughs> yes. Um, but like, there's ways too where you could you could package a conference where you can do like a sub conference, right? Like you could have Curtis and his group come out, and you could have golf with the dads, you know. And like at the same time, you guys are doing nannies and money, and it doesn't have to be based on medicine. Like some of us live with medicine whether we want to or not. Like we didn't choose it, but we live with it. Um, mm-hmm. So so I imagine if you're not a dermatologist, like it's probably a lot harder for some of the more specialized people who are in, you know, these, these like crazy shifts where it's like you work three days a week, but you're gone, you know, like those yeah. three days you're, you're, you're out. Like you're not really yeah, reachable. Yeah. The hospitalists who are on like a week at a time, week, a week on week off. And then that whole week, it's like, all they're doing is working. Yeah. That's it. And I sort of, I think the one thing about working in entertainment and, and being with a doctor and, and her having doctor friends that sort of taught me things was it was like, you know, we all get caught up in these hours, you know, like these hours are necessary, but are they like, you know, it's like if everybody feels like their hours are uncompromising, then you're never going to date anyone or be with anyone successfully, you know, and sometimes, especially if you're perfectionistic at those hours, right. It's, and you can't do anything else. Right. And if you don't have the money dates, then you're always going to hold on to that feeling about like, I have to do this because I'm getting paid X. And if I don't get paid X, we won't eat or we won't be able to buy this thing or like, and so I think the money dating thing is, is, it's cool because it gets the spouse involved. And I think a lot of times, you know, like these conferences happen in nice places and like people go and it's, you're, you're kind of like, well, what am I going to do while this is happening? Um, and you don't want to do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree. I'm all about the money date. You know, that's like, that is one of my things and um, how to, how, how to even be on the same financial page, right? How to, to do that, have that conversation, be in the same financial page. I was about to take a picture of us while we were talking here <laughs> in, um, in my car. But look, sunroof. Oh my gosh! Yeah, open that sunroof. I know it's, it's tan. top lighting. Just kidding, you it can't just get a tan. Makes me look <laughs> So, with all that said, you 
provided so much entertainment <laughs> at Insight so. in them this past 45 minutes. Is there anything else you would like to share with the audience that we haven't covered regards to entertainment, money, medicine, marriage, fatherhood? Um, I would say that, you know, nothing anyone does is a life or death situation. The big problem is you're all doctors. So I yeah. can't say that. <laughs> so so that, that doesn't work. Um, well, first of all, when it, when it comes to money, it's usually not our life. Or yeah. First situation. of all, everyone, thank you for all the work you've done over the last couple of years. Like you guys have really been, uh, the backbone of, of, of keeping us all safe because the government can't seem to do it. Um, but, uh, so thank you from the, the bottom of my heart. Um, you've all done an, a tremendous job and, and thank you for your tireless efforts. Um, I think it really is about, you know, you have to respect everybody's intelligence and you have to, you want to do these things together and you want to pay attention as much as Bonnie, you know, does control like the day-to-day finances and is like, why did you spend $18 at this store and stuff like that? Like, I don't have the capacity to do that. So make sure when you do money date or when you do money set up, like find the strengths and the weaknesses that each of you have. So like we bought a really great rental house, but I bought the house because I understand I've owned houses before and I understand the process of, of like location and things like that. Like that's my strength. That's not Bonnie's. Bonnie's is something different. Um, like Bonnie does all of our retirement accounts and things like that and our benefits and things like that. She's really good at that. And, and, you know, find the areas where, where somebody can own that and then bring your sort of co-ownership to the table. Um, and if somebody doesn't want to learn it, like, I don't want to learn how to budget. I just want to get my hand slapped and told I'm spending too much. Like, seriously, I don't want to learn it. Um, Uh Okay. But know that. And it's okay. And if the two of you so don't want to do this, yeah. Know your weaknesses. Or or just know what you're not interested in, you know? Like if you're not interested in building a budget, like then don't go out and spend gobs of money either. You know, just know that like you have a budget. If you're gonna go wild, like maybe make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I totally agree. I mean, you got to play off each other's strengths and eliminate the, um, because when you start, when you start getting all picky about, Oh, well, you're not doing this and we need to do this together. Then you're setting yourself up for the expectations thing and the resentment and not a good place to be. So know each other's strengths, know what you bring to your relationship. And don't take every question as being micromanaged, you know? Like sometimes I like, I hated it every time, but Bonnie was like, what's going on with the refi? Like literally I wanted to like shoot myself in the face, but the reality is, you know, it was a nice motivation for me to make sure that I had emailed or I had like, eventually you get ahead of it and you're like, I already sent an email (laughs) or I already called. Um, so don't take everything as, you know, it's like, it's just your partner reaching out and showing some relevant level of interest in what you're doing. Communication. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on, on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage and Money. Yes, we will get married at some point, I promise. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I expect an invitation as long as you're not eloping. Or may, even if you are eloping. I'll, it's I'll... true. We'll probably elope somewhere fun. 
Okay, Matt. All right. Okay. All right. What an amazing session with Matt. Oh my gosh. He is hilarious, as you can tell. And I forgot to ask him where to find him. So as you guys know, he said he does not have a website, but if you want to reach out to him, if you know any full-time dads um, who are staying at home while maybe you or the wife is working and you need to need to speak to him, he is amazing. So his email is Matthew Wolf. That's Matthew Wolf, and the Wolf is spelled W-O-L-F, no E, at M-E dot com. So Matthew Wolf at me dot com. And I would just love to reemphasize some of the points that he made during this episode. Number one, that the pandemic happened actually for him. And what was the benefits that he got out of it? He was able to spend 24 seven at home with his wife, which for some people ended up in divorce, but for him, it actually ended up to be something they loved because they neither of them wanted to be married to somebody who they never saw. So what's the alternative? And it's not that it's a black and white or either or thing. Like say you're, you never see your husband or wife because they're always at work. It's not like you can either never see them or see them all the time. But how can you make whatever situation you're in mean exactly what you want it to? And I'll give you an, my example. During the week, Sometimes I don't see Victor at all because he's um, he's entrenched at work during the day or I'm on a call shift so I don't see him at night or where either of us are doing coaching calls or um, he might be doing investor calls. We might be cleaning that, uh, cleaning, turning over an Airbnb house together, something like that. So we might not actually see each other to have that deep connection right during the week. However, I may create that time on the weekends, but for me, that's okay. You know, at this season of my life, I'm not going to let that built turn into resentment. I'm not going to make that mean that we have no time for connection, that we don't ever see each other. Instead, I was like, we're going to put the time on the calendar to see each other. For Matt, him and Bonnie, they get to be together all the time now. Not that she doesn't work. She's working in the other room, but how did the pandemic happened for you. And I know we're kind of like at the, hoping we're at the tail end of it. COVID is still out there a little bit, but what is it looking for? What? It, how are you making all those changes this past two years? What does that look like to you? And how do you want it to look? How are you going to move forward? And then that last thing, number two, number two, the last thing he pointed about going on money dates. If you don't know how to do it, you just try. You just try. And this is this, he said this earlier too. Try and then fail. Try and then fail. Try and then fail. When you are on the road of entrepreneurship or whatever it is, being a mother, even being a um, medical student, resident, like you're never going to get good at anything unless you try it, right? And while failure is not expected or encouraged in medicine, it does happen sometimes, right? And there's small little failures. We don't want ever a patient to die or have an adverse outcome. Does that happen sometimes? Yes. So how can we learn from that move forward and create bigger blankets of security or checklists so that it may hopefully never happens again, right? But when we're not dealing with medicine in the outside life, when it comes to relationships, coaching, entrepreneurship, real estate, all the things where it does, people are not, lives are not at risk. They're not at stake. Just do it. 
go out there and do it and fail and fail and perp like failure is encouraged because if you're not failing, it means you're not trying. And if you're not, if you're not failing, it means you're not taking big enough risks. You're not taking big enough leaps and steps. And maybe you're holding on to comfort. And what does that mean? What is that saying? And then number three, I almost got to this in my number two, but I saved it for here. When you do go on your money dates, because you will, you just need to put it on your calendar and then execute it, honor your calendar. Try to think about the strengths of your partner. Brainstorm the strengths, what what strength you bring into the relationship when it comes to finance and how can you create a role for yourself? What are you going to be? What's going to be your CFO, chief financial officer duty? And what's your spouse's CFO duty? And do you, either of you have things you're just not so comfortable in? Do you not, you, you don't want to follow the budget Do you realize there is one, you know, you're not going to go spend thousands of dollars without consulting or hundreds of thousands. It depends on your income level without consulting your spouse, you know, but what is it all about? You know, it's not, it's not about how much you earn. It's about how much you're saving, how much you're investing, right? How you want to build wealth together. So figure out what your strengths are. Remember you're a team and just do it. Go out there and do it and love each other, love each other and love yourself in the process. That is it. My sweet, beautiful friends. I hope you fly away spreading love and compassion into this world. You know where I am. Please reach out to me at Medicine, Marriage, and Money on Facebook, my Facebook group, Medicine, Marriage, and Money. You know, I'm oh, I'm on Facebook a lot, so you can just message me, Kate Mangona. My Instagram is Kate Mangona MD, and my husband's group, 39.6. If you have not already don't downloaded my 18-page ebook, uh, The Medical Marriage Survival Guide, uh, a, a manual for physicians in love, then go do that. An instruction mail, physicians in love, go do that now. It's 18 pages. There are some worksheets in there. You can take actionable steps today to start working on your relationship when it comes to money, intimacy, parenting, in-laws, and household chores. So much love. I'll see you next week. If you are finding the concepts I teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth, personalized support for your relationship, consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of. Go to www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18-page Medical Marriage Survival Guide and Workbook at no cost to you. It has been known to decrease fighting, rumination, and grudges between your loved ones. If you want to take it a step further, really enhance the joint connection in all of your relationships, including those most intimate and dear to you, sign up for a discovery call by clicking contact us and book a free consultation. Thank you for leaving a five-star review and for telling your friends about the podcast. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing and reviewing this podcast. Much love to you and your spouse. You are exactly where you need to be in this moment.